All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Fragnito, and we have one of my good friends and a, a man I've been doing business with for many years now, uh, Marty Shera here on the podcast today. How are we doing today, Marty? Hey, great. Thank you, Aaron. How are you? Excellent, my friend. Excellent. You know, I wanted to have you on the show here because not only are you a mover and a shaker in the lending industry, and I've been impressed with how you built your company from the ground up over the last uh, eight years or so. I've kind of seen you running around. We met at the auctions originally. You're not afraid to hit the pavement and get out there, but you also have a breadth of experience in, in business in general, marketing and branding, um, you know, and just de developing a good system here. Um, so I want to talk to you about that, but also the macroeconomic uh, market right now, the situation with interest rates and home prices. I know you're an investor, you're a lender, you're a business manager. So Marty, if you want to give yourself a little introduction here, that would be great to let people know who you are and what you do. Great, great. Appreciate that, Aaron. So yeah, my name is Martin Shera. My company is Express Capital Financing. We are direct uh, lenders nationwide. Started the business back in about 2014, 2015, me and my son, David. Um, and then a few years after that, my son, Max uh, Chera, came on board. We specialized in fix and flips, bridge. And then, you, you know, a few years after, we expanded our products to debt service loans and commercial bridge as well. I used to be a broker when I first started out. Didn't know nothing about the business. I just started it out somehow. Like you said, went to auctions, went to all meetups, chamber of commerce, rotary clubs, met everybody that I can build up my pipeline of people. And just eventually after a few years, I proved to banks and where I get my capital from, my what I could do and what I could offer. And obviously the investors behind me to, uh, to have a successful company. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. And it's, um, you know, there's no shortage to a competition in that space. You know, um, now when you started this uh, business and, you know, a lot of people look at starting a business and they say, oh, there's other companies doing it. There's too much competition. But I guess, well, in 2014, there's a little bit less, but still, there's always been a lot of, uh, you know, lenders around there. So how are you able to kind of eye down the competition and figure out how to carve your niche in that pretty competitive industry? You know? Great question. Great question. You know, I tell my people, you could fly on Spirit Airlines for 50 bucks to Florida, same destination, same sun, same trees. You're going to go on 350 with Delta or some other airline. What's the difference? On-time departure, on-time arrival, free baggage, free potato chips, free water comfortable seats and things like that, where your $50 comes out to 200, 250 eventually when they hate to say the word, when they nickel and dime you. But mm -hmm. I'm all about that Delta experience, which is service, reliability, certainty of execution to close. Uh, credibility is very important. So I don't know if it's just my, my investors, my clients, capital and money. I tell them, you know, is it a good deal? Is it a bad deal? Why is it a bad deal? Why is it a good deal? And that's what I'm all about. Because any broker, any lender, or any bank can provide you with money, but if they're able to be your second set of eyes, your back office support and all that, and tell you where the deal makes sense, where it doesn't make sense, that's what I'm all about. Because I mm -hmm. want that recognition. I want people to know that I'm not just a lender. I'm here. I got their backs. At People's Capital Group, we help you invest in real estate. Build your wealth by owning professionally managed apartment buildings in the northern New Jersey market. We want to show you how owning real estate is attainable, even for the busy professionals that don't have the time or experience investing in real estate. Now, we only work with select people who are serious about building wealth. So find out if you qualify at peoplescapitalgroup.com. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny when I first got started in real estate, I looked at lenders and under them underwriting my deals as like a hurdle I had to get over. I had to get through the underwriting from a lender. But after I've done hundreds of, of uh, transactions and dealt with dozens of lenders, I've realized they're actually your partner and they're underwriting your deal for free, essentially. You know, I mean, there's sometimes there's application fees and things, but for the most part, a good lender is going to underwrite your deal and tell you if it's, it makes sense or not. Um, and of course, if it does, they'll want to lend on it. If it doesn't, they'll tell you why it doesn't make sense. And some of the worst deals I've done, uh, the lenders, the first few I came to said, it's not a good deal. There's not enough meat on the bone. Don't do the deal. I was a thick-headed young entrepreneur, uh, you know, a real estate investor. And I found, I just kept shopping around for lenders to eventually who were going to fund me, who didn't really, you know, care as much about the deal. So um, it's really, really important to understand that a good lender is going to give you great advice and underwrite your deal essentially for free. And since you're getting almost a free service there. So, you know, it, it's, it's frustrating to say, oh, you know, lenders are jump through hoops and paying interest. Yeah. But at the end of the day, they're, you're kind of partnering up with them in a way with them underwriting the deal, bringing the majority of the capital and so on. Um, what are some of like the underwriting standards you'll put a deal through when, when someone brings you an opportunity? Yeah. So you know, I just want to add to that, by the way. So not only does a lender have your second set of eyes, they are taking the most risk. Whether it's a fix and a flip with 10% down or a commercial bridge with 20, 25% down, that lender is taking 90% of the risk, mm -hmm. especially when you have CapEx components. So, so yes, getting a free underwriting experience is, is good to have. Um, and to answer your question, what are we looking at? So we are, you know, most lenders are looking at the character of the person the experience, the credit score, and his track record. And I'm not just talking one to four is fix and flip because I do commercial bridge as well. You know, when a borrower comes to me and they want to buy a $10 million building and they lack the experience to, to do that CapEx or rehab of $2 million, that's not something I want to lend to. So we're careful with that too. So experience, credit score, track record, um, you know, their personal financial to make sure they have the capacity to go into a closing with that down payment, the closing to carry to carry the monthly payments, the taxes, the insurance, our monthly payment and things like that. And that they can execute their CapEx or rehab, whatever type of project it may be. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that's that. You know, I'm gonna give a quick story, Aaron. You know, mm -hmm. one time one of my uh, borrowers was coming to me for a debt service loan, which is basically, it's similar to a hard money and it's a 30 year perm, um, you know, 30 year perm on a one to four or whether it's a commercial property. And we also do a market analysis. If they ask us to do it, we'll do it totally free. And my office uh, my office guy did a market analysis and we found out that there was going to be a warehouse opening up across your street from this SFR, single family rental. And mm -hmm. I told the guy, look, in about six months to a year, there's going to be a warehouse opening up. Whatever rent you think you're going to be getting is going to be much lower because who wants to live with 20 trucks coming in and 50 trucks going out? And we'll try to hoodlums, you know, in this warehouse across the street from the property. Yeah. So you're going to get a lower class of tenants and probably a lower class of of, of your rental income coming in. Mm -hmm. This is right. your expectations you need to come into. He decided not to go forward with the deal because of our market analysis. And this is what we do for our clients, investors, and sponsors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a smart investor then. And that's what I've learned to do now. Um, and we often we work with a lender on all of our acquisitions. Um, and uh, you know, what's interesting too is now on our, our smaller acquisitions, though, we work with private investors, private capital sometimes, which normally don't have the same underwriting standards that a hard money lender is going to have or a more, 
you know, actual uh, lender is going to have, you know, a private investor or a private lender tends to be just a simple high net worth individual that you have a relationship with. And they'll invest in the property just like a bank will put, you know, have be in a first lien position, earn an interest rate, you know, maybe some points of closing, things like that. But for the most part, they don't give you the uh, underwriting that a lender will give you, you know, now the, of course the benefit of it is maybe they're a little more negotiable on terms and things like that. And the amount of capital, their LTV, but there is really a, a nice benefit to working with a, a real lender there. Who's going to actually really underwrite the property. And quite frankly, um, you don't walk into this business and get the types of private investor relationships that we have access to now um, to fund our deals with the kind of those more attractive terms. Um, so, you know, getting started, you do have to go with a lender and it it is a big help to work with a lender like yourself, who has so many years of experience investing and lending um, to people. But um, let's break into the investment side of real estate, because not only are you experienced with lending, but you also invest in real estate uh, yourself. You have years of investing in real estate. So with your investor hat on, um, what are you seeing in, in the market right now? You know, the talking heads are saying, oh, uh, six months ago, everyone expected a market collapse. And now we're saying, well, maybe it's not going to be that bad, you know, and maybe we'll skirt by and then pick up again in 2024. So, man, if you were listening to the talking heads, you would have sold all your real estate six months ago. Luckily, I didn't yeah. mean you were smarter than that. But uh, what are your thoughts right now on this wacky market we're in? So just to go back a little bit to backtrack, nobody ever expected uh, a worldwide pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we experienced for the first time in our generation and our lifetimes, whether you're 10 years old or 50 or 60. And with that said, it wasn't just, you know, in the United States, it was worldwide. So everybody had a fear. And that's when, thank God, our government gave us money, whether it's to pay your mortgages, your rent, uh, keep your business afloat, your payroll afloat and things like that. But when the government flooded so much money into the economy, it was just expected to have what we have right now, which is, you know, inflation, what it is right now. Um, with the, you know, with that said, it, it, it's expected. Rates are, yes, somewhat high now due to the inflation. But my, my, I've been doing this since I was like in the early 20s. So right now I'm 58 and doing it for about 30 years. I used to do the fix and flips. Wasn't any hard money then. At that time, it was like American Express, Centurion Bank that just you know, you wrote out a check for the entire amount of the property and you pay the interest rate, whatever it was at the time. You know, now, thank God, there are hard money lenders out there. But the point I'm trying to say is, is that when you have different lenders and your capacity to grow your business, and now in this case, it's real estate, you want to you want to be acclimated with many lenders, many title companies and this, you know, service providers, whatever it may be. And to add what you're saying, uh, yes, I'm an, I'm an LP, a limited partner with one of your deals, and I'm happy to say we built up a relationship. We met each other years ago. I came to some of your events. I believe you spoke to one or two of my events. You know, you have to know the people that you're getting into bed with, whether you're a limited partner, a general partner, a lender, a sponsor, a borrower. So always know your, you know, the people that you're working with will make you successful. But the rates are what they are right now. Nobody's getting, you know, a lot of people are not getting used to it. My prediction is going to be this way for a good, you know, one more year, 2023. And then things will start to simmer down in 24 when inflation goes from, you know, whatever it is right now, eight, nine percent to a more stabilized. I mean, the feds want it to be, you know, uh, I, I think two percent or something like that. But if we get to nor a normalization of three to four, then hopefully we should be at a good uh, rate, back, you know, a good um, a rate market. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do feel like inflation is, is slowing down. I mean, the numbers show it as well. Um, the crazy thing is we had so much inflation from last year. When you just take the prices now, they're just they are what they are. You know, they've been this way now for six months. But you take you look back, you say, wow. So your you know your prices in December of 2022 compared to December 2021. Yes, they are like eight percent higher. But it's not like they're. I feel like there was a big growth of, of inflation over the, in 2022, and it kind of started to tap down towards the end of the year. Uh, you know, you look at gas prices, that's a very good leading indicator of inflation, right? We use gasoline to transport all of our goods and everything, right? Such a big factor in inflation. So uh, it's scary when gas is at $5 a gallon, right? We, uh, I, I always like the movies by uh, Ayn Rand, uh, you know, the, uh, where it, basically, uh, the, you know, uh, what, what's, uh, boy, I'm forgetting the, the name of that book where, uh, oh, gosh, how can I forget the name? <laughs> oh, Atlas Shrugged, Atlas Shrugged, right? So mm-hmm. in Atlas Shrugged, uh, the bureaucrats, you know, make it too hard to do business and gas is really expensive. And while all these regulations, right, it reminds me so much of our current administration that, uh, you know, it, gas goes up to $40 a gallon, right? And because of that, the, basically the economy is devastated, just devastated. And it would devastate our economy in reality. So um, it's scary when you see gas at $5 a gallon because, if you've seen the movie or read the book or just, you know, no, you know, inflation is a scary thing when it rears its head. Uh, I didn't live through the seventies, of course, but I know interest rates went up to 18%. So the first thing people were saying when rates started to go up was rates are going to go to 18%, you know, cause it's fun to say the worst case scenario and you probably get more clicks on your article if you do. Right. So, um, but it, it's been, you know the, I'm sorry, you know, rates were uh, not just at 18% in the 70s, also in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It was that, that way too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you watch an old movie and you see in the back, you know, in the background of a movie, the gas was a dollar and, and 50 cents and all that. Mm-hmm. So the next generation, 20, 30 years, is going to look at our gas prices in a movie and see, you know, 250 or $5 and say, mm-hmm. holy crap, it was cheap then. So everything to me is relative, not just to me, it is, it is relative. Yeah, because prices on property 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago was also relative at the yeah. time, also. Yeah. Um, sure. you know, you know, right now I'm seeing the statistics that are about rent growth. I mean, last year in 2020, 2022, rent growth was uh, you know, an average of about 16 to 18 percent. Now it's about four to six percent. Average price growth on a value of a price at last year was about 25 to 40 percent. I don't know what you saw, but mm-hmm. that's the um, you know, some kind of um, you know, statistics that I'm getting. From yeah. last year, but now there are simmering down. I just I, I don't think there's gonna be a crash because there's too much money out there still, and there's too much equity in people's homes. In people's homes. Those are great facts, and also the inventory, right? Because let's it's supply and demand, it's basic economics, and there's not enough inventory in New Jersey. There's three months of inventory right now. It was at like 2.7. Uh, beginning of Q4. Now, you know, a quarter later, it's at three. So it's ticking upwards. But uh, a healthy market is six months of inventory. A seller's market is when you get over six months of inventory. So we're halfway to a seller's market inventory wise, right? And I got started in real estate in 2010. And I remember what a lot of inventory was like. I remember what it was like to try and sell a home in 2010, 2011. You'd list a home on the market, literally no one would call. And I'd try to price it right, look at my comps. You know, I was, yeah, I'd price it right. And then uh, no one would call. Go to the seller. We got to drop it five, 10%. No one would call. Go to the seller, five, 10%. Eventually they're like, yeah, I don't want to hear from you again. You know, 
Uh, and it, it was a tough time. A lot of difficult conversations with sellers as a broker. So now, I mean, I look at this market, and I'm like, come on, guys, it's not, it's not that bad. You know, if you lived through 2010, 2011, you know, 2009, you saw what was going on then. This is like, well, hey, just keep your cash ready to go because if deals do come out, it's a, still a healthy overall market. So you have inventory that's low. Low inventory means higher prices. So I think that's going to uh, keep prices uh, relatively strong. And then you also have unemployment, which is at 1.7 jobs for every unemployed person looking for work or able to work. So there's literally 1.7 jobs for every person who's able to work. So even if all those lazy people got up and got a job tomorrow, there'd still be 0.7 jobs available that are unfilled, you know? So that just increases wages more. I mean, so you have a strong a job scene, you know, strong economic scene there. You have a really low inventory. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, if you didn't sell your home over the last two years, you're probably just going to sit tight and kind of wait till 2024, unless you're, you know, there's a foreclosure or a bankruptcy or you have to sell or move, move in for a job or something like that. But that's not really enough to like just flood the market like we saw with the foreclosures around 2012, 2013, kind of the aftermath of the recession there. Um, however, the most money I've ever made in real estate was in 2016 and 2017 when those foreclosures came to the chopping block at the share sale auction. And Seth and I were there with a hundred grand uh, certified checks in our pocket <laughs> where I met you, right? <laughs> I, we made a million dollars in those two years, wholesaling real, man, oh man, those years were great, you know? I mean, what do you see the statistics on uh, foreclosures right now? Because I see it increasing. I just forgot the number, the percentage wise. Do you have any idea what it is? Uh, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know that number. It's not like incredibly scary though. It's it's ticking up. It's there's definitely more foreclosures. Um, the foreclosure process in New Jersey, at least, is like a two to three year process in reality. So, um, you know, they say it's one year, but I never seem to get done in one year. So, um, it's kind of a slow process. There's a lot of opportunities to fix the problem along the way, you know, sell the property, uh, re renegotiate with your lender, you know, uh, right. Loan modifications. So banks want to avoid foreclosure for the most part, as you know. And, uh, so I do think that it's not like a, that tsunami of foreclosures we saw in 2012, 2013 that led to a, a you know, a serious continued to dent. Well, really it was from like 2009, to like 2014 or so, just foreclosure after foreclosure after foreclosure. Um, it, I don't see that happening. The statistics don't really look like that either. I know bankruptcies are ticking up. I know foreclosures are ticking up. Um, but we just gained 30% of home value in the last two years, two and a half years or so. So, you know, one of the big problems back then was you didn't have equity in your property. So if you fell behind on your mortgage, you lost your job, whatever the scenario was, you didn't have, you couldn't sell your property. You had to do a short sale and short sales took nine months back then. And a lot of realtors didn't know how to do it, which allowed me to sneak into the market and learn a niche and just crushed it. And, uh, but you couldn't sell your property. You had to do a short sale. It slowed down the market. It causes additional headaches. Now you're in foreclosure, but you have equity in your home. Eh, you call People's Capital Group. We come buy your property. Bada bing, bada boom. You're out of foreclosure, right? Yep. Somebody's pain is somebody's gain. Yeah. Well, we, you know, that, that too. But, you know, when you have equity... When you have equity in your property, you know, you're going to sell it. If you're in foreclosure, you're going to take your cash. You're going to go rent a property. You're going to go rent one of our apartments. 
<laughs> and at least right. you're giving them some, you know, a cash offer versus a short sale or a foreclosure, hurting their credit and having, you know, a negative equity. So yeah, yeah. You know, so that's where it helps. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's the main difference, right? If you're in foreclosure now, but you have equity in your home because you've owned it for at least two years or so, or even a year, you should have equity, then yeah, you're just gonna sell it. You know, you're gonna, you know, maybe you lose a few bucks, you break even, yeah, you, you know, you pay the realtor, but of the day, you're going to walk away with a little cash and move on. You know, when you have negative equity, that's when people start living in their homes for three years, you know, not taking care of them, whatever. And you go, you know, and they'd say, screw it. A home's worth 300,000. I owe 400,000. I'm not paying a hundred to the bank and I'm not getting stuck with the difference. I'm just going to live here as long as I can and not cooperate with anyone, you know, because you're in a really tough spot. And that's where we ran into all those problems and foreclosures. And we are nowhere near that right nowhere now. Near that, nowhere near that. But also just my thoughts are, you know, Aaron, is that the foreclosure increase, again, my thoughts is because of the backlog from this pandemic of 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. So I think the courts opened up in early 2022, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. The courts so are very backed it's up. finally yeah. hitting the market now. Like I said, it's about two years for Jersey. So whatever we're seeing now in late 2022 and 23 is because of 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. So, you know, however, however, there's going to always be people in distress, whether they just can't afford the mortgage, they didn't anticipate something happening, mm-hmm. divorce or death or whatever it may be. And that's going to cause somehow more properties to come up, whether it's foreclosure, pre-foreclosure or just a uh, de- uh, distressed property. Yeah. And and jobs, right? Jobs are so important. In 2009, if you got fired and you were underwater with your home, you really couldn't find often the matching job. Maybe you're making $100,000 a year in a white collar position. A lot of those people ended up going to flipping burgers for a few years, you know? Mm-hmm. And those are the scary stories that everyone, you know, couldn't sleep at night because they said, well, shit, my neighbor is flipping burgers at McDonald's. He was, you know, uh, the CPA at a Fortune 500, or, you know, those scary stories. Now, you know, you get fired from your job, you're probably going to go get a job that pays you more money. You know, <laughs> It's the great migration. You know, right now I, I talk to my friends, if they're not happy where they're working, they're going and finding a job for a better pay, better benefits. It's incredible, you know? Um, so that's a very different scenario too than we saw in the last uh, great recession there. Uh, and that's going to obviously really help us move, I think, forward and through this without a huge hit. Um, now, are you seeing on uh, your side uh, the appetite for borrowing? Is that slowing down a bit? Am I seeing the appetite for borrowers? Um, it's 50-50. You know, this is all an emotional uh, game right now. If you have to have that mindset that the rates are what they are, whether you're going to a bank, a debt service lender, or wherever you're going, the rates are what they are. And if the, just if the deal still makes sense, and you're still cash flowing somehow, you know, then why not do it? Because in two years, three years, one year, when the rates go back to normalcy, your cap rates will be better, your cash flow will be better. And when your values of the property go up in that two to three years, you're going to cash out again. So you're Mm going to have a few advantageous points of a lower rate, cash out more, and a better ROI. So to me, it's a no-brainer. However, people are feeling 50%, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. I tell them, hey, do you want to be 50% of waiting? And you could be 100%, it's going nowhere, but the same, or you could be 50% where it's going down. So mm-hmm. it could go three ways. It could it could stay, uh, what do you call that word? Um, um, status quo. Back, yeah, it status. can go higher and it could go lower. 
mm-hmm. like the people that want to wait, they're just so real estate. You have to buy real estate and wait. You don't wait to buy real estate. That's nice. I literally said that to two people already today. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good. You know, Not to you. But and, I, <laughs> yeah. And I heard a famous quote also, you got to spend time in the market. You don't time the market. You spend time in the market. So even right. if you're not ready, spend time in it, start shopping, looking over the neighborhoods, the comps, the statistics, the schools, the taxes, you know, study the study the market so you could be, you know, ready to go, whether it's your first deal or your hundredth deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I remember speaking with an appraiser at a property in 2016 and he said, sell all your property this year. <laughs> it's going to drop next year. Forget it. Drop Next year is done. I spoke to another appraiser or I think it was a broker in uh, 2018. He was saying, sell it all now. It's, it's, it's destined to drop heavy next year. Forget it. Uh, pandemic came, right? Get rid of your inventory. Real estate's not worth it. You know, you're going to lose, it's going to drop like a stone. You know, last year, the same same thing. It's just so, they're always saying, always saying, I had an appraiser appraise one of my properties one time. He came in at 235,000. I wanted to rip the guy's head off. It was so, such a low appraisal. I sold the property a few months later for 450,000. And I wanted to call up that appraiser and like, you know, ship them the, uh, send them the uh, appraisal there. You're like, can I get your mailing address? I have something to mail you. Um, you should send him the, the before and after, your new numbers and his numbers. Yeah, he's so wrong, you know? So of course that buyer fell through. Actually, that was a refinance. I was trying to refinance the property. And then I ended up just selling it because the refinance appraisal didn't come in properly. This is like, oh, I'll just sell it. And I got 435 where he, you know, he appraised a 235 uh, or 450. I, I sold it for 450. He appraised it at 435. So just very, very frustrating. Just goes to show. And this guy was telling me he's the biggest appraiser in the state. He knows everyone. He knows everything. He knows the future holds. He's the smartest guy in the room. And, you know, I completely underpriced the property by like 50%. Just dope. So, um, you know, and, and it's so interesting how you find so many people who really don't normally own a lot of real estate. Maybe they're going to sell it for you. Maybe they're going to appraise it for you you know, or work around, but they're telling you how to own your own real estate. And you're thinking like, man, if you were so good at owning assets and so successful, why are you the one working for me? And, um, you know, so it's, it's really interesting. You can always find someone who's a naysayer, always, you know, talking head who's going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, and, uh, you know, the smartest thing I've done is not listen to those chickens without a head running around saying the sky is falling. And again, you know, not waiting to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait, I one time there's a building I was negotiating over, over five thousand dollars. I wasn't going to do the deal. I was like, no, I need my five grand off. I didn't get the five grand off. I ended up doing it anyway. I was like pissed about it. You know, that property appraised for four hundred thousand dollars more than I bought it for. You know, uh, just a few, uh, just about a year ago after owning for about six years. So it, that would have been so short sighted to throw the deal away for over five grand to lose out on four hundred thousand dollars of long term equity growth over the next four or five years. So um, just a really incredible opportunity there. But it's so funny. You look back on real estate. You want to be long-sighted, not short-sighted whenever you're investing. That's true. Um, true. And you can look at any property, any city, any state, your street, your neighborhood, whatever it's worth today. If you go back 10 years, 15, 20 years, you'll see it was worth much less. So it always increases in value. You may have a a tick in the market, but it always increases over time. It just never never decreases and stay there, you know? But, right. you know, and like stocks and bonds, it's, you know, you could lose your money overnight, but with real estate, you may lose your money 
in a day, in a week, or in a month, only if you sell. But if you keep it, you'll you'll never lose. Yeah. You'll never yeah. ever lose, you know? Yeah, my attitude is never really sell. If we do sell, we're going to 1031 into a bigger property too. You know, that's a good way to sell, defer all taxes, trade into a bigger property. That's a great tax tool to build your wealth exponentially in real estate. And I have plenty of podcasts about that as well. Um, but it's it's really, you know, never sell is a great strategy. You know, Seth and I always joke about how we wholesaled 100 properties in that 2000 to the 18, you know, period there. And we always say, wow, imagine we just held on to all those properties, you know, went to a lender like yourself here, bought them, fixed them up, ran them out, refinanced back the money and held on to them as, as, you know, rental income properties and a lot of smaller, you know, twos and threes and singles, but Hey, would add it up into, you know, another hundred units. And it'd be worth probably about maybe, you know, a hundred percent more at this point, you know, the growth since that time has been phenomenal. So, you know, we cashed out nicely on plenty of those to get a quick fee. Um, but you know, after paying the tax man and everything else, it's it's nice. But man, there's nothing like long term wealth and cash flow. You know, tax write offs at the end of the year. Yeah, there's some management headaches, but we have a nice management company in place that allows us to own property much more easily um, and effectively. So it's it, it's really um, you know what I've learned through the years is transacting real estate is nice and all, but if you just own it, you know, buy real estate and wait, you know, just manage the right way, own it. Don't even put a ton of money into it. Don't break the bank renovating it. Keep your renovation costs modest, you know, update it as time goes on, as tenants move out, but just maintain the thing. Don't, you know, put too much into it. But um, yeah, I've, uh, I've found some really, you know, incredible wealth, passive wealth is just the best feeling too. You know, it's, like Mr. Wonderful says, cash flow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> cash flow. Mm -hmm, yeah. and that's what real estate is all about. Listen, my dad may rest in peace. He always told me, he goes, never, ever sell real estate. Never. Mm -hmm. He was, um, you know, he had quite a few properties and he was cash poor, but he had a lot of real estate. When I got married at 21, 22, he, he didn't have a dollar to get me married. He had to sell <laughs> one property to, to liquidate. <laughs> and he did it and he was sorry he did it because yes, he gave me, you know, money to get married, but the other remaining money, he blew it. And that's what he says. He goes, cash is good. If you're investing it, money should work for you. But just to have it a hundred thousand in your bank and it's doing nothing and you're buying cars and boats, that's you know, that's the most foolish thing any yeah. any passive investor could do. That's foolish. Mm -hmm. So uh, it has to work for you and how it works for you is cash flowing. And like you said, real estate increases in value over time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. Yeah. When you do sell, you know, I only have to pay taxes, but now you have that cash, you got to find something to do with it. You know, and normally you don't really invest it as well as you had it invested. A lot of times, yeah, some of it goes, you know, to me, I like to buy motorcycles, you know, or things like that. And it's just like a terrible use of your money, you know, or travel, you know, it's fun. You want to enjoy things. You want to enjoy your money, enjoy your life. But at the same time, the more liquid cash you have laying around, the more it just goes to useless liabilities, usually not building your asset class, unless you're really a great self-control on that. Um, but by owning a bunch of real estate and being uh, equity rich and cash poor, which I know all about, uh, it forces you to uh, kind of be smart with the cash you have, um, look at cash as just as a tool to get more cash, you know, and then also when you're, all your money's on paper, um, the banks like that too, because it does allow you to get more and more loans, you know, as well and, and, and raise more capital. But when it's on paper and it's tied up in real estate, not only is it growing with inflation as we renovate the properties, as market grows as well, um, but I also can't spend it. 
you know, it's not sitting in my bank account uh, or, you know, sitting even in a high interest savings account or something. It's too easily accessible. So it forces you to not spend it because you can't possibly spend it. So uh, then you also have the refinance strategy to harvest some of that equity growth, which puts you back in the same spot of having a bunch of liquid cash that you need to be smart with and not go to Disney World, but actually <laughs> buy more real estate, you know? Yep. Yeah. Maybe a little Disney World, just like a short trip to Disney World, you know? Yep, yep. That's how good a year you had. But Martin, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it's been a great uh, chat with you here. How can people contact you and learn more about your company? Uh, so main number is 718-285-0806. Company website is expresscapitalfinancing.com. And just to recap, we are you know, fix and flip lenders, commercial bridge, and we also debt service lenders for the permanent non-bank lending as well. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. We're looking for joint venture opportunities, whoever's looking. So we could be an LP, co-GP for other future co-GPs out there. Um, And, you know, if you don't mind me saying, I'm an LP with you. We just started our first deal with you and hopefully it grows. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking for to build relationships. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Great stuff. And also on our side with People's Capital Group, of course, we're always buying apartment buildings here in New Jersey and helping people invest in those buildings with us so they can earn cash flow and tax depreciation and large lump sums upon the refinance. So we focus on New Jersey strictly here. We have an in-house property management company and we've been doing this about 10 years. So if you want to learn more about how we help people invest in real estate and our upcoming opportunities, uh, go to peoplescapitalgroup.com. We have over 120 podcast episodes there. We have uh, over 25 webinars as well. Um, in fact, I'm going to be doing a weekly webinar coming up for the next uh, two months or so. Uh, usually Thursday at 11, we're going to be going live, but those will also pop up back on our website afterwards. Uh, but that all starts at peoplescapitalgroup.com. And of course, we have a, an event January 10th. So uh, that'll be uh, right after we air this, actually on this uh, Friday here. So we'll be... Uh, having an event in Somerset, New Jersey, uh, January 10th. So check that out and you could uh, learn more about that at peoplescapitalgroup.com. Thank you so much for coming on, Marty. I'll put your uh, website in the show notes as well so people can get in touch with you there. And one more time, what's your website? Expresscapitalfinancing.com. I just want to add, Aaron, you know, for the investors out there that are looking to get started, you could learn only so much. You need to get, you need to jump in the pool. You need just to get your feet wet. Are you going to make mistakes? Yes. And that's part of the process. It's okay. Nobody who's a millionaire or a billionaire today ever just made it from day one. So mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. And a smart person will learn from their mistakes. However, if you just have the capital and you don't got the time or the patience, uh, being a limited partner in LP with people like People's Pack Capital Group uh, is a great way to, you know, to have your money working for you, which is that cash flow and the internal rate of return, which everybody's looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Internal rate of return. We could do a whole uh, podcast on that too. <laughs> I'm ready, baby. I'm ready. I'll do another one with you. I like that one. That will be a little dry, actually. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right, Marty. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank we'll you, talk thank soon. Thank you. Have a great day.